when you <clears throat> when you saw my name in print, uh, some of you said, "How does this guy say his name?" <laughs> and now that you look at me, you say, "You don't look Japanese." <laughs> Sanukian. It's an Armenian name. Armenian. Uh, anytime you see I A N at the end of a name, that, that's a Armenian name. Armenia is a country next to Turkey above Syria. And almost all of the names end in I-A-N. Matosian, Bogosian, Horimian, Tamisian, Katabjan. Those are relatives of mine. <laughs> we try to forget about Kevorkian and Kardashian. <laughs> I, I, I've been looking forward to coming here. Uh, I've known your pastor, Sam and Peter, for a long time. I think the world of them. Uh, some of you have participated in a project for Peter's doctorate. That's great. Jason and I were in a class together last semester. So it's kind of been nice to come and actually see you all, see you all here. So uh, thank you for the invitation. <clears throat> uh, let's suppose that on your way to work, you usually stop at a particular Starbucks uh, to get your energy for the day. Uh, you get there about the same time every morning, and when you do, you notice that there's a young lady who also gets there about the same time you do every, every morning. In fact, many mornings you find yourself standing behind her in line waiting to get up to the barista. This young lady doesn't make much eye contact with anybody, um, doesn't speak to anybody, She's kind of into the goth thing, black hair, black clothes, black jackheimer boots, black fingernails, black lipstick, and piercings, piercings all over ears, nose, eyebrows. Since you see her every morning, you kind of wonder, should I say something to her? Should I try to be friendly? Uh, she has a backpack, and when it's her turn to pay, she has to get the backpack off. She has to root through it. And sometimes it's hard for her to hold the backpack and to get the money and to pay for the coffee. Oh, yeah. Should I offer to hold her backpack uh, so that she can pay? Should I ask her what brings her to this particular Starbucks? Or should I make a comment behind her someday? I bet the barista knows our order as soon as we walk in the door. Should I ask her if she ever gets any of the other specialty drinks? Uh, should I kind of move into her world a little bit and try to get to know her and be, be friendly? Should I do that? Yes. Yes, by all means. Move into her world. Move into her world with the eyes of a doctor who sees a hurt that God can heal, who sees the anger that she had, the alienation, the hard shell, perhaps sexually abused by a stepfather or a brother or an old boyfriend, the anger, the alienation, move into her world with the eyes of a doctor who sees the hurts that God can heal. Maybe at work there's a man that 
nobody really talks with or pays much attention to. He's been divorced a couple of times. His two ex-wives are suing him for child support payment because he's late. He's been living with a, another woman and her child for the past year or so. But a few months ago, he slapped her around and she called the cops. He got thrown in jail. She's kicked him out and got a restraining order against him. And for the last month or so, he's been living in one of those cheap motels that rents by the month. He goes out to lunch by himself every day, usually for a burrito or a hamburger or something. Sometimes he goes to Wiener Schnitzel and he comes back with mustard or chili. Nobody really wants to go with him because there's always a danger you'll get him on one of his rants, how everybody's picking on him, squeezing him dry, taking advantage of him. You've often wondered whether you should offer to go to lunch with him. But what would you talk about that wouldn't get push one of his buttons? You kind of like the same fast, fast food he does, hamburgers, tacos, wiener schnitzel. Uh, there's a Subway not too far away, and you just found out that Subway is having a sale this week. Three foot long sandwiches for $10. Three foot long. I can't possibly eat that much. But it seems like a shame not to take advantage of such a special offer. So should I say, hey, Joe, Joe, hey, you want to go with me to Subway? They've got a special three foot long hot dogs. We can each order one that we like and we can agree on a third one and split it. And... Should I make the overture? Yes. By all means, move into his world with the eyes of a doctor who sees the hurt that God can heal. You see the desperation. You see the fear of the future. No money, a criminal record on file, heading toward being alone for the rest of his life. Move into his world. Order the subways. Sit with your chips and drinks and sandwiches and ask him where he grew up. What's his favorite TV program? Is he an Angel fan or a Dodgers fan? Move into his world with the eyes of a doctor, seeing the hurts that God can heal. Maybe your office has a softball team and they are playing in a city league. Now, there are a couple of players short, and so they've been kind of asking, would you be on the team to help us out? Well, you like softball. I mean, man, yeah. You like running down that fly ball? And then a one-hopper line into home plate to catch the guy trying to tag up and score. You like softball. You're not sure you want to play with the people in the office every Tuesday night. Several months ago, you went to the office picnic. There was a pickup softball game. Some of the guys were drinking too much beer, making raunch com 
raunchy comments about women on the other team. Some of the women mothers, some of the wives were flirting with other husbands. Parents were yelling at kids but doing nothing to control them. You like softball, but I mean that was a once a year office picnic. Do I want to deal with that every Tuesday night? Yes. Move into their world with the eyes of a doctor who sees the hurts that God can heal, who sees that the raunch and bravado of the men is just a disguise for inferiority and shyness, who sees the loneliness of the single mom that you saw standing with one of the husbands who came to the picnic by himself behind his pickup going at it heavy. You see her vulnerability and the danger that she can be taken advantage of by a man. Move into their world, seeing the hurts that God can heal. Do we stay away from those whose lifestyle is questionable? Do we have nothing to do with their world? Do we look at them with the eyes of a judge, seeing, that behave, seeing behaviors that God should punish? Or do we look at them with the eyes of a doctor, seeing hurts that God can heal? That's the question that our passage this morning is going to answer. Do we look at people with the eyes of a judge? Or do we look at them with the eyes of a doctor? We're going to hear Jesus saying, do what I do. I move into their worlds because with the eyes of a doctor I see the hurts that God can heal. We're going to see him moving into the world of a disreputable man, a man looked down upon by others, a man whose behavior is frowned upon and judged by others. We're going to see Jesus move into the world of this disreputable man and ask him to join his group. We're going to see it in Mark chapter 2. If you have a device or a Bible, I'll give you time to find it. Mark chapter 2. The man's name is Levi. He's a tax collector. A disreputable man. And we read in Mark chapter 2 how Jesus moves into his world and invites him to become part of his group. Verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. This would be the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd is with him, and he begins to teach them. And he's walking along the lakeshore road uh, on the perimeter of the northern part of this lake. And he and the large crowd, as he's talking with them, teaching them, and walking along it, they come to a toll booth that stops all the traffic coming along that road. The toll booth is right at the border. Traffic is coming from the neighboring territory into the area controlled by King Herod. And when you cross the border as a merchant, you have to come to this toll booth, and you've got to pay the tolls and the taxes. The tolls are how many wagons are coming, and the taxes are what are the value of the goods that the wagons are carrying, grains, silks, pottery, spices. And so every merchant, as they come to this toll booth, 
they have to stop and they have to wait for their tolls on the wagons and their taxes on the goods to be calculated and they have to pay their fees before they can continue along this road. This is a heavily trafficked road because it connects Rome at one end and Egypt at the other end. This man Levi, as Jesus walks along this road, comes to this toll booth, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. There are other people, other men, uh, also with Levi, assisting in this process. And there are a couple of soldiers kind of hanging around to make sure all these merchants are cooperative when they come to pay their taxes. So Levi is sitting there. It's his job to count the wagons, poke around in the bags, uh, see what there are, and give them a price of what their fee is, the amount that they have to pay to keep on going. This is Levi's job. The merchants despise Levi because when they come to the toll booth, there are no posted price amounts. There's no sign that tells them how much the toll is going to be and what the tax rate is going to be. They have to wait for Levi to go around and then he gives them an amount and they know he's setting it high so he can skim some of it off for himself. They know he'll send the true amount down south to the capital, to the central government. But the merchants don't know what the true amount is because there's no price posting and they know he's inflating it to lie in his pockets with the extra. They have no recourse. They can't argue with him. They don't have enough information. And besides that, the soldiers are standing by, making sure everybody cooperates. He's probably slipping some to them on the side. The merchants hate Levi because he's ripping them off. The local townspeople, they know he's a cheat. Nothing better than a petty crook. His lifestyle is disreputable. Nobody wants anything to do with him. Jesus moves into the world of this disreputable man. Follow me, he told him. Follow me. Hey, Levi, come hang with me for a few hours. Jesus has been in the area long enough so that Levi knows who he is, probably has heard him teach. And there's something about who Jesus is and what he says that has kind of touched something deep in Levi's heart. And when Jesus says to him, Levi, come hang with me a bit. Levi turns to the other guys, cover me, will you guys? I'll be gone for a few hours. And he spends a little bit of time with Jesus. The few hours go into a few days. And after a few days of just being with Jesus, Jesus has touched something deep in Levi's heart, and he's different. He's different. Levi begins to have conversations with some of the other tax collectors. He begins to talk with the few people that would actually talk with him, prostitutes, adulterers, extortioners. He's telling them about what Jesus has done for him, and some of them are asking him, hey, can, would we be able to kind of 
join the crowd with Jesus? Would it be all right? Would he? No, he he wouldn't care. Come on. And so for the next few days, some of Levi's friends join him with Jesus. After several days, Levi decides, I'm going to throw a party for Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a dinner. I'm going to invite my friends so that we can get by ourselves with Jesus. Instead of having a big crowd around, I'm going to throw a dinner, have, see if Jesus will come, and we'll have him all to ourselves, and we can ask him a few questions. And so he throws this big dinner for Jesus. And Jesus not only has moved into the world of this disreputable man, he takes an even riskier public's action, and he goes to dinner in Levi's house. He begins to eat with all the publicans and sinners and prostitutes, and they're having a grand party. We read about this party and about the religious leaders who got their nose out of joint because Jesus was in Levi's house eating with sinners. We read about that in verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners, they were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, when they saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? These Pharisees, are they're the religious leaders. They, their goal was to follow all of the Old Testament laws to the nth degree, to avoid any contamination with evil. Now, their motives were good, but there was a severity and a sternness about them. And anybody who didn't measure up to their standards, they looked down upon and lumped them together as sinners. They had nothing to do with them. And here is Jesus eating with them. Eating implies accepting their lifestyle, agreeing with their behaviors. How could he possibly do that? Why is he eating with publicans and sinners? And when the dinner breaks up and Jesus and his disciples come out, they confront them. Why are you eating with sinners and publicans, tax collectors? And Jesus gives them the answer, an answer for them and an answer for us. I move into the world with the eyes of a doctor because I see the hurts that God can heal. His answer is given in verse 17. On hearing their question, their accusation, why does he eat? On hearing this, verse 17, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus is basically saying it doesn't make any more sense to stay away from the sinners who need to be healed than for a doctor to stay away from the sick. A doctor moves into the world of the sick in order to bring the healing they need. And we move into the world of those who hurt in order to bring them the healing that God can offer. 
move into their world with the eyes of a doctor, seeing the hurts that God can heal. Talk to the goth girl. Ask her her name. Tell her your name. See if she has a birthday coming up. Maybe buy her a little gift. One of those thermoses that Starbucks has that has a pouch for their powdered coffee on the side. Go to the baseball games. Get there early. Warm up with pepper and shag some flies. Buy a glove for the single mother's little boy. Ask him if he wants to be a bat boy. Have him sit by you on the bench. Teach him the strategies of the game. When one of the women on the other team lines a double in between left and center and has a stand-up double, instead of questioning her sexual preference, say, Hey, lady, great hit. Did you play in college? Move into their world. With the eyes of a doctor, for there are hurts that God can heal. Talk to the coyote woman on the prowl in the office. Talk to the man who lost his license because of a DWI. In college, if there's an unmarried pregnant girl in one of your large classes, save her a seat so that she can get into it. Go to their karaoke, to their karaoke games. Go to their New Year's Eve parties. Stay sober, but sit, laugh, talk. Go to their Friday night poker games. $20 limit, okay? Take guacamole, artichoke dip. Take your own drinks if you don't want to drink what they're going to have. Win a lot, take IOUs. And when some of the guys start talking raunch about women, talk about your wife. Now she's the best thing that ever happened to you. And how you'd love to come next Friday and take their money again, but you and your wife are going to a church couples retreat. Let God take it from there. This is how we take Christ to others. We move into their world with the eyes of a doctor because we see the hurts that God can heal. Lord, give us those kind of eyes. Help us to immediately perceive the despair and the hurt and the fear. And help us to move into, into their world with friendship and to gently just get connected and to let us see what you will develop from that. In Jesus' name, amen.